You're listening to the FC Young Adult Podcast. Hey, hey, hey. Hope you guys are doing well this week. We are in part three, the final part of our series entitled Possessing the Promise. Uh, We've been looking at the story of the nation of Israel and the command of Joshua at the front end of the book of Joshua found in the Old Testament. Uh, Week one, we talked about Joshua being handed the leadership mantle after the passing of Moses and his opportunity to prepare the people to go and take a hold of the promise that God had made to their nation. Last week, we talked about stepping into the promise. We talked about the actionable things that we can do, and we used the, the crossing of the Jordan River uh, as the story to to kind of frame some lessons for us to learn. And this week we're going to talk about the conquest of Jericho. Jericho was a city found just five miles west of the Jordan River, and it was going to be a huge hurdle uh, in the possession of the Promised Land for the Israelites. It was considered the gateway city to the rest of the Promised Land. It was a necessity for them to conquer Jericho, for them to take possession of the land that God had promised. And we talked about this last week, but just as a reminder, there will be obstacles as we pursue promises in our life. There will be obstacles. It would be really nice if life was just like up and to the right the entire time. That was just smooth sailing always. Uh, But we all know that life is not that way. A couple questions that we're going to have to ask ourselves when faced with an obstacle are, who am I going to be in the midst of obstacles? And where do I put my trust in the midst of obstacles? And I think that through this story, we see some lessons that help us answer those questions. So we're going to be in Joshua chapter 6. We are going to read the entirety of the chapter pretty much. So uh, it's a little bit repetitive, but I think it's important that even in the repetitiveness of it, we see these people, uh, this nation being obedient to God and that God is really specific, that he, he's not just a flippant God who does random things, but he's very specific in the things that he commands. So we're going to start Joshua chapter 6, uh, verses 1 through 2. It says this, Now Jericho was strongly fortified because of the Israelites. So because the Israelites were outside of the city gates, they were strongly fortified. It says that there is no one leaving or entering. The Lord said to Joshua, look, I have handed Jericho its king and its best soldiers over to you. This passage makes sure to communicate that the city was not some undefended village, but that it was a city with tall walls and it was incredibly fortified. And yet God says, look, I have handed Jericho over to you. Before Anything happens before a siege, before anything. God says, look, I have handed Jericho over to you. So this obstacle that's in your way, I just want to reassure you that I have provided victory. So the first point this week is that God reminds his people. God reminds his people. I think it's important that we remember that God does not just make promises and then bail. He's not just a God who who promises things and then completely dips out of the situation and says, good luck. He is present with his people in the midst of the highs, in the midst of the lows, and in the midst of the in-betweens. Right? He knows that Joshua and the nation of Israel are probably looking at Jericho wide-eyed. They're like, man, like, what are we going to do here? This is a massive city with huge walls. So, so he steps in and he reminds them of the promise. He says, I promised you the promised land. Right? The promised land was yours. I promised this to you centuries and centuries and centuries ago. So this this obstacle that's in your way, this gateway city to what the, I've given you in the promise, I've already handed it over to you. Let me reassure you. 
I think it's important that we remember that we serve a God of reassurance, that he is a God who steps in and he doesn't just make one promise, but he comes back and reminds us of those promises. I I knew that I wanted to be a dad uh, since I was pretty young. Um, I remember being probably as young as junior high and just being like, man, I cannot wait to be a father. And I truly felt like that was a promise that God had made to me, like that I was going to get that opportunity. And when we got pregnant with Maddox, um, I was terrified. <laughs> uh, my wife and I got married when we were 21 years old. Um, we were 24 when Larissa got pregnant. And uh, I was serving tables at a restaurant. And I was an unpaid intern here at the church. And I will never forget just the logistical fear. Like, just like the practical part of my brain was like, how are we going to support a kid? Like, what are we going to do? You know, we're, we're barely making our mortgage payment. Like, all of these different things are running through my head. And I went down to one of our prayer rooms, and I just sat there, and uh, I was crying. I was crying. Uh, I was so excited and simultaneously so scared. Like, we've probably all been there where just we have this incredible mixed emotions, and I remember we were in the the prayer room and or I was in the prayer room and I was over the top of this big, beautiful Bible that's in our prayer room. And it's super old. Like I'm, I'm talking like early 1900s, maybe older. And like it's one of those Bibles that when you turn the page, you're like, I hope it doesn't tear. I hope it doesn't just disintegrate in my hands. And I'm crying and tears fall and hit the Bible. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> like, oh, no, what am I doing? So I step back and I sit down in one of the pews. And I just felt the presence of God just like wrap me up and say, I'm with you and I'm for you. And it was just a reminder that in the midst of my fear, in the midst of my uncertainty of becoming a dad, wanting to be an incredible dad, wanting to be there for my kids, wanting to be an example, all those different things, God was just there, present with me, reassuring me that he was with me every step of the way. Maybe you're listening to this today and you need a reminder. And I would just encourage you, don't hesitate to ask God for that. Ask God to remind you, to reassure you of the promises that he has spoken over your life. The story goes on to say this in verses three through seven. It says, march around the city with all the men of war circling the city one time. Do this for six days. Have seven priests, car- seven priests carry seven ram's horns, trumpets in front of the ark. But on the seventh day, march around the city seven times while the priests blow the ram's horns. When there is a prolonged blast of the horn in your heart and you hear its sound, have all the troops give a mighty shout. Then the city wall will collapse and the troops will advance each man straight ahead. So Joshua, son of Nun, summoned the priests and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and have seven priests carry seven ram's horns in front of the Ark of the Lord. He said to the troops, Move forward, march around that city, and have the armed men go ahead of the Ark of the Lord. The next point this week is unhesitant obedience. Unhesitant obedience. I love that God gives some of the weirdest instructions ever, and Joshua is just like, you got it. <laughs> like, I'm on board, Lord. Like, you're telling me to walk around city walls, and I don't think that that would be my personal battle battle strategy, but I, be- I believe you. I'm going to be obedient to you. And he just says, yes, I'm going to be obedient. So there are going to be many times throughout our lives where the calling doesn't really add up, where God's going to ask us to do something or, or lean into a relationship with a certain person in friendship or whatever it may be, and we're just like, this doesn't really make sense to me. And God is going to ask us to do things that might create more questions than they do clarity. But that's okay. We don't have to have complete clarity to be faithfully obedient. We do not have to have complete clarity to be faithfully obedient. God promised to deliver a fortified city, which was absolutely crazy. But he had already split a sea 
and he had already parted the waters in a raging river. So what couldn't he do? Right. Joshua's looking at him going, yeah, like you literally led us through the wilderness. You led us through the Jordan River. I believe that you're going to lead us straight into some victory here. The journey might sound crazy. It might be unexpected. We get to follow anyway because we are faithfully following God, not our own intellect and not what just makes sense to us. The passage goes on to say this. After Joshua had spoken to the troops, seven priests carrying seven ram's horns before the Lord moved forward and they blew the ram's horns. The Ark of the Lord's Covenant followed them. While the ram's horns were blowing, the armed man went in front of the priests who blew the ram's horns, and the rear guard went behind the Ark of the Covenant. But Joshua had commanded the troops, Do not shout or let your voice be heard. Don't let one word come out of your mouth until the time I say shout. Then you are to shout. So the Ark of the Lord was carried around the city, circling it once. They returned to the camp and spent the night there, Joshua got up early the next morning. The priest took the Ark of the Lord, and the seven priests, carrying seven ram's horns, marched in front of the Ark of the Lord while the ram's horns were blowing. The armed men went in front of them, and the rear guard went behind. On the second day, they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. They did this for six days. You see, Joshua gets to relay the commands of God to the people, and it could have been really easy for them to be like, dude, this guy's out to lunch. Like, what do you mean walk around the city? That's how we're going to take this thing? However, that's not what we see. We just see obedience. We see the troops, the representation of Israel just be like, yeah, we're not going to question your command. We're going to do what you tell us to do. And this is why. It's because obedience spurs obedience. The army of Israel trusted Joshua to lead them. He was an example of faith. He was an example of obedience. He was a great leader. So his obedience to God spurred obedience in them. His willingness to follow God's command emboldened them to do the same. For us today, we get to be that for others. We get to be that for each other. I think one of the most beautiful things about following Jesus in community is that we get to be gap fillers for one another. Sometimes we will need to tap into the faith of someone else, and sometimes God is going to to have people lean in and tap into the faith that we have for certain situations. While we are called to have individual, intimate relationships with Jesus, when we act them out in community, we get to be gap fillers. We get to lean on one another because the truth is, is that we're human and we're not always going to be faith-filled. We're not always going to be faithful. But if we are in a community where when you're strong, I can be weak, and when I'm strong, you can be weak, and there's going to be times where we both can be strong and we both can be weak, and we can do this thing together, man, that's just such a beautiful picture of what God has called us towards. There was this shared promise over the nation of Israel that each individual person had to wrestle with daily, right? They, they struggled and wandered for 40 years. They, I mean, they were in captivity for, for centuries, and then, and then they get to wander for decades, and there has to be in their humanity some doubt. I imagine that each and every one of them at some point or another struggled with doubt. See, just like them, we're going to have good days and we're going to have bad days and we're going to have faith-filled days and we're going to have doubt-filled days. And that's why we desperately need each other. We get to encourage one another into the promises of God. 
over our collective lives, right? Like we get to be like, hey, don't forget, God promised that we would X, Y, and Z. But also in our individual lives, as we build relationship and we share what God has spoken in our lives and what we're called to and what we feel like our assignment is and all these different things, when we start to doubt, we get to look at somebody else and be like, I need you to remind me of the calling over my life. I need you to remind me of the promise that God spoke to me. We get to do that. And that is a beautiful beautiful thing. Joshua emboldened the rest of the nation of Israel to be obedient. We get to embolden one another to do the same. Verses 15 through 20 say this. It says, early on the seventh day, they started at dawn and marched around the city seven times in the same way. That was the only day they marched around the city seven times. After the seventh time, the priests blew the ram's horns and Joshua said to the troops, shout for the Lord has given you the city. But the city and everything in it are set apart to the Lord for destruction. Only Rahab the prostitute and everyone with her in the house will live because she hid the messengers we sent. So just a little side note here is we skipped in Joshua chapter 2 this really cool story about Rahab, this prostitute in the city of Jericho who, who recognized the power and the might of the Lord and submitted to the lordship of God and said, okay, I know that there's some Israelite spies here. I'm going to hide them from the city watch. I'm going to get them to safety. And because of that, God promises through the nation of Israel to keep her safe. So this is just God keeping another promise. It says this, only Rahab and the, pros- the, pro- the prostitute and everyone with her in the house will live because she hid the messengers we sent. That's a promise kept, promise kept. But keep f- for yourselves from the, excuse me, but keep yourselves from the things set apart or you will be set apart for destruction. If you take any of those things, you'll be set apart from the camp of Israel for destruction and make trouble for it. For all the silver and gold and the articles of bronze and iron are dedicated to the Lord and must go to the Lord's treasury. So the troops shouted and the ram's horn sounded. And when they heard the blast of the ram's horn, the troops gave a great shout and the wall collapsed. The troops advanced into the city, each man straight ahead, and they captured the city. The next point is this, holy confidence, holy confidence, holy confidence, meaning that we have a confidence in who God is, a dedicated confidence in God and what he can do, not confidence in what we can do alone. Here's the thing. You don't walk around a city seven times and blow a horn expecting it to fall down because it makes human sense. You do it because it makes holy sense. Because your confidence isn't in what makes sense to you, but what God has commanded and called you to do. God places a promise out in front of the nation of Israel, and they're finally being given the opportunity to take hold of it after 40 years of wandering in the desert, right? Like Moses led the Israelites for 40 years, and the mantle of leadership is passed to Joshua. If either of them were focused on their own ability or military might or their timing, they would have stormed the walls of Jericho long before this. But they knew. They knew that they would never be able to take hold of the promised land without a move of God. There is going to be a temptation for you and I to force the issue in our own lives. We may want to outrun the timing of God, but that will never lead to a life of flourishing like God intends for us. The promises in our life most likely won't come in an instant. So we wait. We wait for a move of God, understanding for the promises to really be fulfilled in our lives. We need a move of God. We cannot force them on our own. You see, God knows that human beings are impatient people. And I think the story of Jericho is somewhat of a test of that truth. He did not say, when you're ready, storm the city and it'll be yours. 
hey, guys, when, when you feel like you've got it all together, when you feel like you've got a good plan, storm the city, and it will be yours. Instead, he has them walk around the city that they want to conquer for a week first. Some of us feel stuck. We feel like we're not reaching our full potential. We feel like we have hit some kind of plateau. We feel like God made a promise in our lives, and now we're just wandering through what would be our own personal desert. The Israelites were literally walking around in the desert for 40 years. 40 years. And after crossing the Jordan, the battle strategy given to them was, hey, why don't you walk around some more? But here's the difference. For 40 years, they walked circles in the desert over and over and over again with no end in sight. These new circles, they had purpose. Here's the last point. Wandering versus walking. You see, there's a difference between wandering and walking. For you and I, we have to recognize the difference between aimlessly wandering in circles and intentionally walking faith-filled circles around the promises in our lives. You see, walking circles is only complacency if it's done without intent. But walking faith-filled circles around some promises in your life is called obedience. It's us saying, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to walk around this promise over and over and over again with intent and with faith that when God says shout, I will shout. When God says go, I will go. When God says take a hold of that promise, I will take a hold of that promise. This week, here is what I would love for each one of us to think about. We all have our own Jerichos. Right? There's something that God wants for your life. There's something that God wants for my life. Maybe it's a promise for your future. Maybe it's healing from your past. Maybe it's freedom that you need desperately right now. Maybe it's something else. But here's what I would like to pose to you this week. Approach God in obedience. Maybe it's through worship. Maybe it's through prayer. Maybe it's through both. But look at the walls of your own Jerichos and determine that they are not too big or too wrong or too strong. You see, Joshua and Israel had a decision to make. They, they could have seen Jericho and they could have walked away, assuming the walls were too tall and the task too big, or they could walk around it in obedience and faith until those two tall walls bowed down to the God that they served. You see, nothing is too big or too strong for God. In fact, they're just, they're just walls. And they were made to fall down. We've said it many times over the last three weeks, but we have to say it again. God is faithful. God is with you. And God is not just a promise maker, but he is a promise keeper. So walk around those walls with intention and faith. And watch what God does. Thank you for listening to the FC Young Adult Podcast. If you are in the Billings area, we would love to see you at our in-person gatherings on Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. If you're unable to attend in person, there are always ways to engage online. Follow along through Instagram at faithchapel.ya or find our ministry page at faithchapel.cc. You are loved.